Hello there and welcome in to the Career Competitor Podcast, the show that seeks to light that competitive fire within you in order to jumpstart or optimize your career. My name is Steve Meller. I am an executive coach and culture consultant for my company, Career Competitor. And I'm also a brand new author to my book, Shock the World, a competitor's guide to realizing your potential, which you can grab a copy for yourself on Amazon right now, or you can go direct to my website, careercompetitor.com, where you're also welcome to grab a copy that way. And if you were to do it that way, I'd be happy to sign it for you as well, because I'll be the one shipping it to you. How about that? Now, listen, if you're someone who is considering some big moves, some big changes, or just some personal growth and development that you need to do within your life and also within your career for that matter, feel free to reach out to me, steve at careercompetitor.com. My work today is spanning that of working with individuals that are just competitive, working through their careers, but I'm also working with entire executive teams as well. So whatever it may be, whatever your situation may call for, feel free to reach out to me again. That email is steve at careercompetitor.com. But you're obviously here to listen to a podcast, so whatever platform that you're listening to me on, take the time to subscribe or follow the show. Leave some sort of a rating if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts. I would really appreciate it if you would just click that fifth star before you're done here. And don't be shy. Let people know how much you're enjoying the content. Feel free to share the show with your friends. And let's bring more people into this space so they can continue to work on themselves and also optimize their careers in the process. But for now, let's get to the show. Okay, well, my guest today is not only a fellow countryman, but he is, in fact, was raised on the same cobble streets as myself, as we both grew up around the city of Chester, even pursued the sport of swimming at the very same pool. Since those early years, he has made a life and career for himself, serving the growth and performance of others to then go and serve others effectively. From his start as a member of the Royal Air Force, where he served as a physical adventure and force development instructor for over a decade. He then founded his leadership development company, Star Development. Today, Star Development is leading leaders on how to create better organizations and teams by getting them to stop, to think, to act, and reflect. If you're following along, that spells star. And they do this throughout the UK and even beyond as well. A husband, a dad, and even a fellow podcast host on his show, Hashtag Leadership, What's On Your Mind. It's my pleasure to welcome in to Career Competitor, Mr. Stuart Warnington. Stuart, how are we doing? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm I'm smiling here because it's always nice to be on the other side. And it, it's just nice to have a, a great intro like that. It makes you stop and think, doesn't it? About hey, what you're you, you've achieved a few things. You've <laughs> achieved a few things. There's no doubt about it. And I think it's... um. It's actually one of my favorite things to do. It's, it's funny you bring that up. It's one of my favorite things to do with every guest is because every time I'm writing these things, uh, I think, you know, how, how are you going to impact the show? What are you going to bring to the show? And, uh, you know, for me, so much of that content is revealed, even in the introduction, even if it's not obvious at the surface. Uh, but there's opportunities for us to really dive into some pretty fascinating content when it comes to yourself, Stuart, because your running theme, whether it be in your time there during the, uh, during, uh, with, with the REF, or what it is you're doing now with your company, you are serving others to grow so that they can go and serve others. So I'm really curious. I'd love to start there. When it comes to serving others, where did that passion come from? 
Do you know what? I I don't know as such. I think it stems from an environment I was brought up in. I've got an older brother and sister. Um, and I was almost brought up as a single child because when I was born, there's a bit of a long story behind this, but it, I was almost had two mums, two dads. Mm. So I'm from quite an early age and I go on all the time about my passion is self and situational awareness. And I'm giving that to other people. And I talk about in a big passion of mine within the business and we use it as branding, having those light bulb moments and those ahas. And I go out there to get people to think, oh, I've not thought like that before. And thanks for asking that question. I've never been asked that question before. Mm-hmm. And I say uh, only recently been, obviously, I've got the, the podcast hashtag leadership, what's on your mind. I don't say I'm the expert in leadership. Right. I just love it as a conversation and it complements the business. I was only talking to somebody um, recently where they've been there, done it, got the T-shirt, leadership oozing out of their pores. And I almost felt a bit of a fraud. <laughs> I was like, and and I quite quickly jump on that and say, well, I think my expertise um, and my sort of credibility and how I show up is in that facilitation piece. Um, and it stems back again, jumping back to what your question was, where does that come from? About, I think from an early age, I was able to observe having an older brother and sister, having mums as so I was had it had that kind of encapsulation of vision. And I know people say about I've always liked to like people watch and I seem to be able to see a lot of things. Yeah. And only recently I've caught some quite in funny interactions of me spotting something. It's helping somebody else see that. And then they re- the feedback was like, I, I can't believe you saw that. Thank you so much. And it was able to help them. And so, so I think that's naturally been a thread throughout what I've always done. And again, it's only until you start reflecting now, isn't it? If, if you said to me, what was my thread through my career? Mm-hmm. I would say it was sport. I would say it was a passion for high performance and obviously laterally into the soft skills of personal development, team and individual. But you are right, uh, kind of if you look at it in a different perspective, it it is serving others and helping others to serve others um, through engaging content, through conversations. And I always go to that storytelling when you did that intro about what can I add? I've only recently done a couple of things where just me being in the room sharing stories was a great help to the content. And, and you go, go, well, I've not, I, I, quite often, I think, well, I've not done much. Mm. But actually, it's not my perspective about what my impact is. It's what other people take. And sometimes that can be really humbling, mm-hmm. what they take from your story and your journey and your experiences and storytelling. It can be quite eye-opening. Um, so does Absolutely. that answer your question? <laughs> it, it 100% does. And I think... What it it also evokes within me is this notion of, you know, you and I both work in in a similar space of, at the end of the day, you call it leadership development, executive coaching, whatever you want, the person who's writing the check and investing is investing in you, you know, and and as much as it's a service, which it is, and there's content, which there is, underneath all of that, what makes all of that resonate at at its optimal impact is the person behind the message, behind the service. And, and and that's so much of what you're addressing here is that your ability to walk into a room 
someone to ask you a question that makes you prompts you to share a certain story for whatever reason that was the story that individual needed to hear and mm-hmm. does that make you an expert now on on what that person needs to hear and how they need to do things absolutely not but in that moment you serve them accordingly you serve them the way they needed to be served in a word that you use there to facilitation i was i cannot remember what i was listening to this on so i can't give it credit but they define the term facilitate and it's to make things easier for someone in, mm-hmm. is really at the heart of the definition you know so much of what we see the word facilitation is that we kind of like we're bringing someone along when so many in so many ways it's actually yeah we're doing that but we're trying to make it easier for them in the process not necessarily by doing it for them but giving them the tools if you will to equip them better to be able yeah. to do it better for themselves and do you know what this reminds me i remember on reflection quite quickly afterwards actually I remember the first time I was facilitated very, very well at a very high standard because mm-hmm. we had a flight sergeant when I started my journey doing the soft skills of personal professional development in the military. And we had to do um, a two-day sea kayaking. Um, of, there were six of us on the course, and it was that experimental learning. It was an introduction. We were obviously taken in a military environment, and we were literally given the tools to fail <laughs> not that wasn't the purpose don't get me wrong right. but it was that real eye-opener to and we were the, almost there thinking well at some point we'll be given the answer at some point we'll be told because it's a, tran- a transactional do this do that do the other but that was completely the opposite of what it was and it was a pretty epic couple of days because we didn't plan it properly there was a couple of epic fails of like kit and equipment and and we sat around after these two days <laughs> wet cold hungry <laughs> quite a few things went wrong because we'd only just been introduced to the environment and how things worked and we were looking at flight sergeants white officers going they're going to absolutely kill us here <laughs> they're going to be having sharp words with us mm-hmm. um but this one officer sat us down on a bench and facilitated for two hours and it wasn't until we got to the pub later that we were like he didn't say much he just asked quite poignant questions. And again, the whole thing was set up for self-discovery, experimental learning. And again, this is the sort of thing that we were entering. So the reason I mention that is because I kind of look now and think, and I have had some feedback around, you've got to sometimes pat yourself on the back about how good I am at reading a room and asking the right questions and listening. And I always think back to that, thinking, actually, it, a lot of time has passed since I was sat on that bench. Mm. But ultimately, from that experience, I thought that was very good and very clever. And obviously, I've taken a path to try and get to that level of facilitating. Um, I remember the first client, one of the first client exposures I had one-to-one coaching when I left the military. It was almost like an accidental thing. Um, and I sat in a room with a business owner who had three businesses and charged a little bit of money, and I say a little bit of money because it's, it's quite shocking, comical how small uh, investment that was at the time. Um, and I came home to my wife and said, you'll never guess what I've just been paid for. Like the, This guy <laughs> presented for 45 minutes to me right. his businesses, and he got the whiteboard out, and he was talking at me and presenting. And at the end, I just asked two questions. And and off he went. And then I kept in contact and he was like, 
Stu, that was brilliant. I absolutely love that. It was amazing. I'm sitting there going, what did I do? And and right. and without going into too much detail, there was one of the questions I asked, he was almost like, if I've not answered that question in the 45 minutes that I've been presenting how the business is, what our passion, what our product is, and all this sort of thing, that that is maybe a concern to me. Yep. And and then the other one was based around what he wasn't saying. Mm. And I could pick up on some things he was actually skirting around. And and again, really impactful. So he says, and afterwards, he says to you, what normally happens is I speak to my stakeholders, I speak to my investors, I speak to my staff, I speak to my family, I speak to my wife. And right, no, no wrongity, no, no wrongity, that doesn't make sense. And <laughs> um, they just nod and go, yeah, if you're speaking to the same people all the time, you're almost getting the same answers and, and they don't get it maybe as much mm-hmm. as it's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, until you get somebody who is external, they've got no investment, no bias anywhere, and I just listen and I can pick up on things. And, and it is a skill that you hone over time, and, and you'll have experienced that probably yourself. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, this is this is actually a really fascinating topic, the, the whole notion of facilitation, because to bring it back to the theme of what we're about on the show of, of just competitiveness towards your career – I think sometimes the notion of competitiveness is about me, me, me. What can I do? How can I drive this thing? And so much of what you're touching on here is if we're willing to just stop and say, listen, this is something that I've been maybe working at for some time and I'm starting to bang my head against the wall a little bit and I'm going to the same people for the same insight over and over and over and I'm wondering why do I keep hitting a wall? And then suddenly a different opinion, a different perspective can come into a room and ask two poignant questions and just suddenly everything changes. It shows that from a competitive standpoint, there's this need, if you will, in these environments that you and I exist within for leaders, for competitors everywhere to say, listen, what what can I benefit from by just simply pressing stop sometimes mm-hmm. just to say, listen... I'm, I'm I'm working hard. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I've got all these intentions, all these goals. Is there anything I can benefit from moving forward by simply just pressing pause right now and stopping and looking around and seeing where I'm at? And just in that mindset right now, Stuart, like how much of your work today do you find yourself going into a room where either people are banging their heads against the wall, unwilling to press pause? versus maybe people meeting you in a space where it's like, listen, now that we've pressed pause, we've realized that a guy like you and the service that your team provides, this is exactly what we're crying out for. Yeah, it's it's a it's a massive thing. And I'm privileged now to be in a position where I'm actually matching and mirroring and challenging the client to have the right people in the room. And we've got an amazing array of people that we can bring to clients that are going to match. And the reason I mentioned that is because as you were saying that then, I kind of just thought that you've really got to find the right person and have that match of, and you don't know what that person is. Like I've, I've, there's a couple of things that bounced around my head here. So give you that into a context as well. So we've done some work this year with a client who potentially needs to do some, and is open and honest about the fact that needs to do some more of this. Um, no agenda days. Having just coaching conversations as a, as a team and individuals, but they're not 
they're not fully immersive and ready yet. They need to find that as a team and individuals. So you've got to match characteristics, people. Um, and I just stop there a second because I, you know, the joke about don't work with animals or children. <laughs> I just put like humans in general, like people in general in there because we're a funny bunch. <laughs> and, yeah. it, and it links to what I was just saying here that you don't necessarily know. And I'm not offended when people say it's not a match. I'm really passionate about finding that I'm not a match for somebody. 100%. Um, but then going back to the client base that we're working with at the minute, we're actually gravitating more to the teams and the individuals that on the face of it, you would look at them and they, they don't need our help or, or assistance. And I don't like calling it help, but you would think they're really good at what they do. They don't need this. However, you'll know this in high performance and competitiveness. It's the people that have that in place that are winning and sharpening the saw. And, and the one particular client, I'm like, I'm just adding little sprinkles of light bulbs. I'm not doing any big transformation stuff. And, and sometimes I say as well, I, I'm so passionate and I really enjoy what I do. So to then have the client base that don't necessarily need us, but they want us because hmm. they know that that's the competitive edge and people at the top end of their game are looking, linking into sports at those marginal gains. They're looking at that four year instead of one year linking to the Olympic cycle. <laughs> They're looking at those peaks and troughs. They're stopping at strategic points in the business. It's not the same as last year because the the way the business is shaped, it's not robotic like society and how the um, external factors of their customer base is changing all the time. As soon as you fit into a box, you're going to be starting to lose. And it's really nice to have those interactions with clients and companies and L&D departments and HR departments that are like, and I think it's been transformed really quickly recently um, off the back of the global pandemic. People actually, companies, sorry, realizing that the people are the biggest asset. And I know we've said that for several years, but I think linking to what I talk about all the time on my podcast about leadership, everything has shoved and, and really had to catch up quickly. Um, we've had people on talking about, and this still happens, and it's still eye-opening about the industrial revolution of leadership, like people still going in and doing the tell, tell, tell. There's lots of things to sort of unpick in there about why they're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, but I think in a positive way, everything has nudged forward very quickly in the last year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the the... <sighs> A lot to unpack there. I think where I would like to focus is the the need versus the want. It's something that I'm just going to do a personal plug that I write about in my in my book. Uh, it, it's just this notion of the need versus the want. And I actually go one step further in that to go, there's, there's people that need coaching, there's people that want coaching, and then there's people at the very, very top that have a need for it in the sense of they can't go without it. Like they, they just, they know for them to thrive and exist, this is what they need this is their north star so to speak and i love how you talk about the characteristics in a coach in a leadership teacher however you want to put it because for me that compatibility is is massive it's absolutely massive and again this all comes back to the competitor within all the great athletes for instance all of their stories the one thing they have in common great relationship with their coach 
You know, it's mm. the, it's one of the, it, they all have that in common. Whether they had bad days throughout that time is irrelevant. For the most part, it was a compatible relationship that they have with their coach. Now, does that mean that their coach was the greatest coach of all time? Not necessarily. It's the compatibility of that relationship that actually produced yeah. the results. And that's what people like yourself and I can can attest to in the work that we do right now. I've had a couple of clients already in my first couple of years of doing this where I'm like 20 minutes in, nope, this is not this is not going to fuel your success. I'm not concerned about my business in this situation because you can keep investing in this. This isn't going to work. This isn't compatible. So with what you're saying here in terms of need versus want, I want to go back a step now towards your time with the RAF. All you have there, I'd have to assume, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, maybe this is my naivety coming in, I'd have to assume that you just got a people that want to do it because they've signed up, right? They've signed up to be a part of this organization, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, they've, they've signed up to be a part of this team, to be involved in this when it mm -hmm. comes to instruction, when it comes to growth, when it comes to development. Is that a unanimous want or do you did you have to sort of fight off some of the, you know, this is someone that needs it but doesn't necessarily want it? Yeah, so regards to my background and how this all came about i was very much embedded in sort of like team development yes that had individuals in it but it's very much a team dynamic 90 percent of the time um there's elements of individual that you'd have to because let's simplify the fact that the majority of my time working in leadership and development training it was we had personnel for a week um, working across all three services at every level of the military, and they would arrive with you and you would typically have them for a week, and um, whether it be in the UK or in Europe. And um, this is where the beauty of it was as well, because a lot of the perception of what they were coming to do, and again, this is sort of averaging it out, was that they were coming away from work and they were having a great time in the outdoors, they were going to be tested, and it was in a fun environment. And in the military terms, there was no rank in adventure training. Mm -hmm. So you literally no uniforms. Um, I've had some great conversations and chats with two star officers in bunkhouses in Germany when we're skiing and then having um, an SAC, one of the lowest ranks, having in that conversation. So it's that inclusive inclusiveness of adventure training where we're people and we're looking to develop um there is a bit bit of a funny term in the military about voluntols so you're voluntold to be here <laughs> right, right. Um, but i loved it because people came with a time out of work we're gonna have some fun and activities and that was it and then we had them for the week and through having questions adding the layer of personal development one of my biggest things, and I, I lose to it a little bit at the start, but on a Friday, we would have 16, 17-year-olds standing up and doing some really meaningful, this is what I got from the week. Hmm. And you stand there, and some of them that surprise you, the ones that didn't say much all week, and you're going along and, and you're embedding, and I talk about the toolbox, we talk about how much tools can we put in your head to help you in the future. In military terms, we're looking at the foundations of developing everybody to a standard where when you then arrive anywhere in the world with any other service personnel, you've all been through basic training and you've all done some form of adventure training. So we were building the foundations of 
what we expect from a soldier. And I think that is and your question about were they engaged. I think they were because of the recruitment. Mm-hmm. I honestly, the, there was the odd kind of person who wouldn't get it, but I would say 99.9%, you'd have a big kind of, everybody took their own takeaways. The team would um, achieve a certain level within that um, week. That wasn't the focus. The focus was your takeaways. How much have we loaded into your toolbox that you have that light bulb moment in four years' time when you get promoted and you suddenly start having bigger teams to 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 command, um, transform, ignite, get to work together. And, and what happens is when all these people have these moments of leadership, everybody around them doesn't stand there and go, oh, this is a bit unusual. Hmm. Uh, we've all been kind of put through this kind of like to be expecting this standard um, and be looking for it as well and the basics hmm. of teamwork, communication, feedback, um, it was quite. It, it was good, and I still feel as well. In the ten, in the twelve years I did, the military was going through a transformation. Um, I still keep in contact with colleagues that were way above me in the organisation, and they talk about how we were transforming it from that. the The best way to teach somebody how to do something is to shout at them, and if they do it wrong, shout at them and tell them how to do it again. Even that, oh, don't get me wrong, in the military environment, there is a time and place for that. But I would say in the time that I was in, that decreased a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, weapons training is a, is a great example. Um, understanding that different people have different learning styles, like that was embedding while I was in because mm-hmm. previously, <laughs> you literally, if you were doing something wrong, it's a high, dangerous situation to be getting something like that wrong. We're realizing that we're all human and we might learn differently. And again, you can imagine the friction. There was the old school that were like, no, this is how we teach somebody how to do something. And especially in military environment, that's quite challenging to change that. Um, but almost you've got to start somewhere to then that thread to go through the generations. And I think I was in quite a lucky position where that was happening and we were understanding the benefits of, um, <clears throat> the the uniqueness of individuals mm-hmm. and i think from what i saw high performing teams that's where it starts from everybody having great awareness like i say self and situational awareness is key yeah so much of what you're talking about there with the history of the military and even that friction when you were in it of the old generation versus the new it's it's, it's a shift from assuming how someone needs to be coached to identifying how somebody needs to be coached and 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 it's it's in so many ways it's actually a really small gap it's just a moment it's literally refraining from just reacting and instead taking a moment and figuring out how best to respond you know just a just a real small shift but it's it's got to be a deliberate one you've got to have a heightened conscious consciousness to it as well and i while you were talking there too this notion of almost like pre-equipping and pre-educating a 16, 17-year-old, so that when they are in that certain position in their career with that specific amount of influence for the first time, what can they already know? What can they have already been taught to to equip them, to educate them in ways that's going to put them in the most effective uh, position 
And and that's how we can really, within this conversation, kind of bring it to the present day. And you can now look back on so many years, so much experience of how you've been able to make influences in, quite frankly, high volatile, high pressure teams, which is that of the military, any form of military. I mean, we're, we're talking about that type of situation potentially at some point. Now you've got this thing I would have to assume, which is called time uh, when you're working with with teams, uh, whether it, whatever the organization, whatever the field, they can actually be a bit more composed. They're not in, uh, you know, potentially the midst of battle or anything like that. What does that look like now? Like, talk to me a little bit just to help our listeners. Like, what is your typical approach now to? And, and this is kind of a big question, maybe a little vague even to a certain extent. But what does that sort of traditional approach to best equipping leaders that you work with today? So as I kind of go into the business of that real importance of stopping and finding what's, when you say about coaching as well, I'll probably talk through that. It gives a really good open window to what the what we're dealing with right now and how we approach it. Mm -hmm. So really listening to what somebody thinks they want and then what we can offer. And I sort of tip my hat to that as far as, when I first left, I was almost going knocking on doors going, I could do all of this. <laughs> and then all the people I was talking to didn't know what all this was and they didn't know what they wanted or what they needed. So having like open, honest conversations, um, I love learning from every interaction that I have. So I think that's really good how I'm able to like come across. I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I don't know your business. When I left, I thought I was going to be on a big negative because I didn't have any business experience. Mm. Like, who's this guy coming from the military and thinks he knows loads about leadership or loads about business? Right. I'm like, well, that's the thing. I don't. Like, I, I, I love being part of the process. Um, and actually, going back to something, just going back to what something that triggered my mind earlier on, one of my, um, he was an ex-colleague of mine, but he's ex-army, and I came across him within the first 12 months. And it still resonates with me that his big passion was to get rid of clients. <laughs> and it links to what you were sort of alluding to about that relationship and that building of, of um, connection between a coach. Because mm. I was like, I love that. Because my big thing is about adding value. Mm. And I've got to be giving value and adding value. So the idea is, yes, to try and equip somebody to then not have to be with you to hold your hand and become sort of like, I need you in my life <laughs> because no. you're giving me all the answers. Um, yeah. However, people sometimes stay with you because they just like it. Like you said, the people at the top, they like and they love the process. But I've had interactions and when I've been doing research and companies that have had coaches in for like five years and they're like, I don't know what to talk about anymore. <laughs> and that's set with me. So that's why we've got an amazing pool of people that honestly, I will not allow somebody to stay with a coach if they're not getting value from it. So our, our passion is to either get rid of them in the nicest possible way. What normally happens is that we plug somebody else in mm -hmm. and Somebody that is very detailed will want all the theories, all the philosophies, and, and we've got people that have that extent of knowledge. Um, but then, like yourself and myself and some of the people we've got in the business, 
they've got high-end sport backgrounds. Mm. So they like somebody that comes with that detail, that difference to the corporate world, and it can have open up really interesting creative conversations that they can then take back into the business. Um I feel like I waffled a bit then. <laughs> did I answer no, the question? No, <laughs> well, you know what? I set you up to waffle at the same time, but you didn't waffle. Um, you know, I think I think there was some real there's a there's a there's a detail there that's really important to 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 highlight is this notion of listening to what they think they need and then producing what it is you think you can offer them and help them with and and I think that's a good starting point you know and I think sometimes when we look at a relationship like this it's like okay what's the beginning and what's the end like where are we trying to get to with this and I think sometimes if we get too focused on where we get where we're going, that destination, it can almost paralyze you in terms of how to start, you know, how best to start, or it can maybe make you start incorrectly, you know. Whereas if you're you're saying here, present day, this is what someone thinks they need, this is some of the issues that they've been dealing with, or this these are some of the intentions that they have. And I'm gonna listen to that and I'm gonna facilitate that in this moment and over time leave myself open to the opportunity for this to move in different directions and maybe even come to an end. Maybe even it comes to an end at some point, but instead of us identifying exactly how it's going to end first, why not just get started? Why not start as organically and as, uh, you know, with, with as much intention as possible. And, and that's what I, that's what I'm hearing. Yeah. And also I've just sort of like saying that the thing about that relationship, I, I was only had an experience recently where I was asked to facilitate a session with like, 14 hours notice or something it was quite mm-hmm. a short time and i was asked you just do what you do read the room this is online as well so it wasn't reading the room face to face yeah and they said we've been dropped a little bit because somebody's fallen ill and they're okay but we need somebody to fill this gap just tell the stories facilitate the room talk about high performance leadership transformational leadership and um, I was like, brilliant, I love that. Like, I, I, Of course I'll do that, not a problem at all. And then I was given the flow and I looked at the flow and it was all the good stuff that I really liked. So the one of the um, David and Mark Hay was in there and I'd hosted him on the podcast. So I already had a connection there and I could talk about that. And, um, and we did the session and, and it just made me really reflect. And one of the guys who um, got me in to do it said, how did it go? And I said, well, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and he said that's really interesting to say because that's one of his key things of how did the session go because if i enjoyed it hopefully the people on the other side of him enjoy it mm-hmm. and it really made me think well what have i actually done there because i've not reinvented the wheel i've not come up with the groundbreaking thing that is the new thing in leadership or the new thing in team i'm i'm just pulling a lot of resources and strings that are written in books that i've learned over time I'm knitting them together with stories that I've had, stories that I've heard. And I think it's more about your then personality of how you come across. Um, And I had somebody sitting in that was going to deliver it the following week and they weren't as experienced or they hadn't been doing it as long. So they were like, I can't believe you did that in like 14 hours and I had to sleep <laughs> between that and that. It wasn't that 14 hours. It was right. like I got it on the Sunday night, had to deliver it on Monday morning. I actually walked around with the content on the dog walk right. and thought, right, I've, I've got this. I'll go with it. Yeah. And I did actually think if this had happened three years before, um, 
I would have been really nervous. Mm-hmm. I would have been really nervous. I need to hit those points. I'm not too sure about that. But that's a sign of like me developing Absolutely. and being comfortable because I can I can go in different directions. And I think then when somebody turns up like that, you, you've had that and, and hopefully I am able to get that trust. And I actually said to the guys, I said, listen, I was good in this last night. I didn't know whether they knew that or not. Mm. But I said, I'm going to be transparent. I, I, I've been given this. Unfortunately, somebody's had to be off ill and I'm going to do my best and I'm going to, we're going to have great conversations and we're going to go in breakout rooms and I want to know your thoughts. And I think it's the way you set yourself, but then that allows other people to relax mm. and share stories and go, oh, yeah, you saying that has made me think about this. And I was like, tell me about that then. And then <laughs> I learn loads of stories that I then pass. Like Some of the stories I've got from clients that I now say, obviously not saying names, sure. but confidentially going, oh, yeah, yeah. this so over time, I've built up a story bank that probably is a lot bigger than I ever actually think I've got um, right. until you until you're in that situation. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm I'm an avid storyteller myself, especially with clients, and and so I get that um, in abundance. And I think something that's coming through here as well as we start to wrap up is 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 the way you view success in the work that you do. You know, there's that uh, subjective element to it where you can just say. Did that? Did I enjoy that? You know, was that good for me? And I'm and right here at the end, I'd love for you just to maybe wrap it up with a this notion of the competitor that you are. So in in an example like that, that sounded like it was a win for you. It was a victory for you to to walk away from that sort of session and say, "Hey, I enjoyed it. That was good." But you know, if we just call it an example of how you consider and define winning versus not winning, I don't like saying losing, but you know, not winning. I'm curious what how do you, how do you compete with yourself how do you compete with your performance each and every day how do you assess it um I, it's very much impact led and mm. people led so one thing that jumps to my mind and again it was another moment like that but maybe 2 3 years ago when I was still in that kind of how do I fit in this environment am I able to do this what impact can I have who am I to to share my stories? I actually did some work with the civil service and it was across lots of departments in the civil service. So the passport office, department of work and pensions, the home office, and it was all lawyers. And I was thinking, oh, wow. Like how have I managed to get into a situation where I'm facilitating a session with 20 lawyers? And and it still makes me really proud and and I really sort of, push myself to achieve this over and over again. So at the end of the half day, so three and a half hours-ish session, two of them um, shook my hand on the way out Mm -hmm. and they just said, thank you so much for not wasting my time. (laughs) And I was like, they were like, that was really engaging, really fun. It made me think I'm going away, not necessarily with an action plan, but it's really making me think about something different. And I thought, well, that is great. Like I was still sort of internally like, I'm nervous. Like these are intelligent people here. And it also made me think about, we can really stand out by creating environments like that. Because unfortunately, there are still process-driven training workshops. Sure. Sometimes coaching. (laughs) I've had a couple of coaching sessions where the person I'm going to coach isn't necessarily wanting coaching. It's almost like, oh, I don't get it. I'm around the boardroom. 
oh, let's let's meet Stu. Like, what's this all about? So obviously, I'm going into those environments a bit more confident now. But previously, and this person's been a director of a company for 20 years. Like, what what's all this about? And then they come away going, that was quite enjoyable. As it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm. And again, I think that's because it's not process driven. Not telling them what to do. Mm. We're having conversations and giving them that time to to sort of breathe and reflect and analyze and all those sort of things. So I think that for, for me, that is very driven. And I've been caught out a little bit because, as you know, I would do this without any money at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had to put my business brain on Absolutely. and get people around me to show me and tell me what the worth of that is. Mm. Um, but I, I absolutely love to have those light bulb moments um, or see those happen in others. So does that answer your question? Yep. It absolutely does. It absolutely does. And I think the, the the notion of making impact is a very much a competitive trait, something that many, many people would identify, relate with uh, 100%. And I think even that example with the lawyer, you know, the lawyers, um, I think it's great. I think it's great because it's, those are the victories that people don't talk about too often. You don't see that in the win column. It's not publicized. Someone coming up to you, shaking your hand and saying, thank you for not wasting my time is... Uh, is certainly would be considered a win and, and a victory in that moment. But Stuart, I knew I knew it would be like this. I knew we would talk each other's ear off and, and it, we would we would knock out 35, 40 minutes of content without even blinking. Um, and so with that being said, I want to let everybody know before you go uh, where they can learn more about yourself uh, and certainly your, your company as well. Yeah, so the company Star Development UK. So you can hit those up at all socials. And then obviously more importantly, which I'm really passionate about is a good way of seeing me, what I do, how I do it is through the podcast. So hashtag leadership, what's on your mind um, on the YouTube channel or across um, any um, audio devices. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's us. Absolutely. And if you go back about 10, 15 episodes, you'll find one with me as the guest. So Yeah, it's certainly so, well. It was a good conversation. <laughs> it was a good chat, wasn't it? It was a good chat. Well, Stuart, honestly, man, I'm so glad we got a chance to do this. Uh, it's been a little while in the making, so I'm so glad that it, we finally brought this to fruition. And uh, listen, you know, some great content. Uh, I'm excited to wrap this up as we as we finish the interview and, and share some final thoughts. But in the meantime, uh, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with everything. And uh, again, appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you very much. Hey, don't go anywhere. I've got my final thoughts coming up from our guest today. So please take some time, give it a moment, take a drink. I got a couple more minutes I need to get out of you. Some final thoughts. Here we go. Great to have a fellow kid from Chester on the show in that of Stuart today. And to wrap things up, I really want to talk about this notion of assumption versus identify. Because this is a this is a particular episode that we're obviously highlighting leadership a lot, and I think for it to really serve you, whether you are currently in a role of leadership or, hey, maybe it's not coming for a while, but at some point it does, or maybe you're leading in ways you didn't even realize as you start to hear an episode and some of the content like this, the notion of assuming how we should lead versus identifying how we should lead takes a level of awareness in leadership that can really separate you in a competitive way. It can set you up to go on and achieve things, have greater impacts that can facilitate your growth, facilitate your performance, certainly facilitate your career. 
And I think that's a really important detail to take from from my chat here with Stuart is that assumption versus identifying it is not only something that can serve you as a leader, it, it can serve you in so many areas of your life. And, and that's a theme here within the topic of leadership as well. So many elements of leadership can, can serve you in other areas of your life. But to, get, to keep it focused on this notion of assumption versus identifying, I really encourage you to almost reflect, if not build a heightened consciousness to how you take a moment, pause, and choose to identify instead of assume. Because I would have to assume, here I am using that word, I would have to assume that when you assume, it usually leads you into a less successful result. That when you take that moment and compose yourself just enough, identify what's going on, identify the situation, identify with the individual involved, whatever it may be, and however you may be looking to serve what's going on in front of you, approaching it with the notion of, hey, I'm going to try to identify what is required in this moment versus assuming what's required in this moment, that can really start to separate you in terms of how you respond, how you act, and to the point of this episode, how you lead as well. So really like that. Just going to leave that one to just sit within you, maybe produce a few thoughts of your own, whatever it might be, but certainly plenty of content uh, throughout the episode here with Stuart that should serve you, whether it be as a leader or in any other element of your career and your life for that matter. So again, Stuart, thanks for the time, mate. Really appreciate it. And you probably heard a few more British-isms sneak through from me than typically would do. But in the meantime, listen, the content for Career Competitor is going to be impactful. It's going to be nonstop all the way through the remainder of the year. We've only got about six weeks left to 2022. Where did that go? But what I want to do is just really emphasize how much I would love for you to reach out. Connect with me. Let me know what you thought of the content throughout the year. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Also, introduce yourself or somebody else potentially as a guest for 2023. Maybe you can start to see how you can be of service and impact to this show as well. But in the meantime, guys, listen, best of luck with anything and everything that you've got going on within your world. I look forward to doing this, as always, with you all again very soon. Bye for now.